Jesus went off to a lonely place to pray. Uh, I was here a few months back listening to Bob Bell speak, and he said this great thing. He said, when, when the crowds had gathered, when the crowds got too much, Jesus withdrew more and more to a quiet and solitary place. He said, in America, we start another service. I thought that was quite, quite telling uh, that, uh, you know, we have different reactions to the busyness in our lives. And what I want to do um, this evening is uh, continue to state the blindingly obvious, because that's something I'm quite good at. Uh, uh, but also, I hope I'll, I'll give you a new, uh, enough new stuff to, you know, keep you with me. But I really want to commend this subject that um, I've been asked to speak on tonight. I've been asked to speak on solitude and stillness. And uh, it's, in some ways, it's a strange subject for me because I am myself an extrovert. That is, I am charged by being with other people. That's what energizes me. That's where I get my juice for life from. Rachel's the introvert in our relationship. She is energized by being uh, quiet and sitting in a bath with candles and, you know, all that kind of stuff and reading and, you know, just being spacious. And I think, well, let's just get a group of people together. Uh, so uh, that's an interesting dynamic in our relationship, but I want to I make clear, I'm not talking to introverts. I'm, I'm not trying to just communicate, oh, it's really good to sit still and be quiet, and, you know, and, and the extroverts here are going, oh, yeah, but that's just a personality thing. Introverts and extroverts may do solitude and stillness in different ways, but what I really want to communicate clearly tonight is this practice of solitude and a bit of silence is really an essential tool for us. I was saying this morning, you know, if I was to ask you a question, what is your strategy to become more Christ-like? What is it? Or put it another way, what is your strategy to increase the levels of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and patience in your life? What is your strategy to get more and more of that. Because one of the things Jesus was doing was, was giving his followers exactly that. I, I was saying this morning, and, I, and forgive me for not doing it tonight, I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm not just saying this, but this is without doubt the most inspiring church we have ever been a part of. I know I speak for Rachel. That is right, isn't it? <laughs> we we loved it. I often think before, I mean, uh, Steve plucked me uh, as a young man from the jaws of a Baptist church in Kent, and, uh, and we, we moved here uh, when I was uh, 22 years old, and we were doing different things for Oasis. And I always say, up until that point, I, I didn't actually really think I knew what a Christian was. I was a very earnest young uh, Christian, and I think I thought it was all about believing the right stuff. You've got to believe in Jesus so you're saved. And it was Steve, really, in Oasis that taught me, actually, it's about following Jesus. Jesus never asked anyone to believe in him. He called everyone to follow him and to follow in his ways of the kingdom. And one of the things Jesus was doing as we follow him was giving people tools to live this amazing life, or the life, as he called it, life in the kingdom of God. So, um, you know, if you want more joy in your life, you will want to practice Sabbath-taking, resting one full day a week and it will make you more joyful it's hard to be angry when you're joyful i don't know whether you've ever tried to be angry when you're joyful but it's a very difficult experience sabbath keeping if you are struggling with addiction i think last week you were looking at fasting and stuff if you're struggling with addictions 
uh, you are going to want to embrace fasting regularly. Why? Because it teaches you that you can be in control of your desires and not the other way round. It's a fantastic practice. You start small. So what is it that stillness and solitude will give you? Um, my, one of my mentors said to me that of all the spiritual disciplines, he considered this one of the top, well, he said the top three. Uh, stillness and solitude is a vital, in this noisy, busy world of ours, where we consume information at such a rate, where we're living faster and faster lives, to unplug, switch off, and just be, to breathe, and know who you truly are is becoming more and more important. There's a great little video. It was actually a Thai advert. I don't know whether any of you speak Thai. Uh, Is that what they speak in Thailand? They speak Thai. I'm really showing my ignorance now. Uh, I don't think there's any bad language in this, but I can't be absolutely sure. If there is, please tell me. Um, But this is an advert, and I think it makes the point really well. Just, Just have a look at this. ปิดเพื่อเปิดรับคนรอบข้างบ้านที่แท้เชื่อในความพอดีอันนั้นเป็นสิ่งที่ถูกกล่าวถึงในยูทูบถ้าคุณอยากดูอันนั้นเลยที่นี่ and I think, you know, it's, it's too easy to be against stuff. And phones are fantastic. Uh, if you're self-employed as I am, you can't actually live without them. But like all things, you want to be the master of your phone and not the other way round. There is a time to switch it off. And I know this is a bit of an alien concept to some people, but there is a way of switching it off. I don't mean putting it on silent. I mean, there's something, and some of you won't know how to do this. You actually squeeze the button that is on off, and then you slide a little thing across, and then your phone is actually switched off, which means it won't even vibrate. This is an alien concept for many, but I want to commend it to you at certain times. I said I wanted to state the completely obvious, so here it comes, folks. Um, The only place that you can experience God is here, right now, in this present moment. What I loved about that little film we watched is the only place of joy is here now, in this present moment. You see, God is where God always is, which is here now. You cannot experience God in the past. You may have experienced God in the past. I hope you have. But the past is burnt, is gone. You only had one yesterday, and that has gone now. The future is something that is yet to be shaped and created. I hope you will experience God when you get there. 
But you can't experience the future yet, and therefore you can't experience God in the future, if you see what I'm saying. The only place where God can be experienced ever is here now, among us, in this one eternal present moment. This is where we are, and this is where God is with us. Now, the trouble is that for so many of us, although we are physically here this evening, uh, thank you for making that effort, some of us are not here, of course. And what I mean by that is we're in our heads. We're either somewhere in the past fretting about something that's happened or worried about something that happened or concerned or guilty or whatever it is we happen to be thinking about in the past, or we're thinking about something that's coming up in the future or we're anxious about something coming up in the future or we're worried, you know. And so in our minds, we're churning away at 100 miles an hour at something that is going to happen in some future point. And if that is you, then you're not fully present and you're missing all the beauty of this moment and you're missing the aliveness of this moment but the most serious consequence of those patterns of behavior are we're missing God with us in this ever present moment so how are you going to stop yourself doing that how are you going to become alive to God in the present moment with you here now with you at work when you open up your emails, with you when you're talking to that difficult person on the phone tomorrow, with you as you wonder how you're going to juggle your diary to fit yet more things in, with you as you travel back from work on an overcrowded bus or tube train, with you, with you, with you, always in that moment. What's your strategy? I love the uh, new Pixar film, Uh, Inside Out is, in my opinion, the best film, well, certainly since Toy Story, maybe, that they've uh, ever done yet. And uh, one of the things I think it picks up on uh, is, is, is you know, the clear voices that there are in our heads. And one of the reasons we fill our lives with so much noise, the TV, the computer, the phone, our iPad, we've got to listen to podcasts, we've got to download more music, One of the reasons we never switch off is when fear gets in control. And it's a wonderful part in the Pixar film where fear and anger are left in in charge of the control panel. One of the first things that will always come up in silence and solitude are your demons. And by that I mean the things you are avoiding, the painful voices you do not want to let in. You can drown them out with music. You can drown them out with TV. You can drown them out just surfing YouTube. But if you switch everything off and you are quiet, you can actually hear those voices. And they're the ones we try to avoid. And they're the ones that actually can be shaping and slowly ruining our lives, almost like a cancer inside our minds that just gradually chews away and eats at us. Those are the ones God, I am absolutely certain, wants to lovingly relieve you of. But if we never switch off, if we never allow them expression, if we never hear them, God seems unable to do that. And the kind of voices that we're avoiding say things like this to you. I am not lovable. No one likes me. I'm insignificant. Those are the ones we're trying 
to avoid. And we're afraid of those things. And so we fill our lives with busyness. Hi, how are you doing? I'm busy. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm busy. How's that strategy working out for you? It does work because it silences the voices for a bit. But it so often leads to addiction. And in the West, I think, in particular, we're addicted to busyness. We're addicted to thinking. So, and we identify so much with our thoughts and with our feelings that in the end we start to think that is who we truly are. That we are our thoughts and our feelings. Don't know whether you've ever thought about that. You are so much more than the thoughts and the feelings you are having. You, you are the person having the thoughts and the feelings. Now, this is a really, really important, I think it's probably an ontological point. You are the person who are having thoughts and feelings. You are not your thoughts and feelings. Don't mistake that. And if you can learn in stillness and in quietness to sit back and observe those thoughts and feelings, ask yourself this question. Who is it? having the thoughts and the feelings. And when you sit back in that peaceful place, you feel connected. You are one with Christ. You do, as Paul says, discover your life hidden in Christ. Or as Peter uh, says, um, you you are partakers of the divine nature. This is some big New Age stuff. (laughs) You are a partaker of the divine nature. Your true identity is hidden in Christ, is inside. So a lot of us are looking for our identity outside of us through doing stuff. But Christ is bestowing your true identity by taking a different kind of journey rather than out, taking you in to your heart. And if you can just learn to step away from all the busyness of your mind, you will discover that God bestows a different identity on you as a beloved child. But like any relationship, this needs time. And Jesus knew that. And this is why we read time and time in the Gospels, Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. If we want to become like Jesus, which is what it means to be a disciple, to follow the rabbi, you want to become like Jesus, you want to do the things Jesus did, We want to look at what Jesus did and copy this. This was his regular pattern. So we are going to want to do that as well. A relationship takes time. I've been married uh, 30 years. I feel I consider myself to be a very honoured man, uh, despite who I am. (laughs) My wife still loves me. But if all I did was rocked up once a week and sung her a few songs, and then at odd times through the rest of the week presented my list of demands to her, the relationship would not be so great. <laughs> Might be a useful way of thinking about your relationship with Christ, with God. And it's how do you build that little bit of regular routine in that connects you to God? And uh, I'm going to suggest we need, uh, we need help with that. We need to practice it. We need to build it, like all those spiritual muscles that you've been learning about and developing, and we build them slowly. 
So just to show you what I'm talking about, I just want to leave 30 seconds of silence. And I just want us to be quiet for 30 seconds and just notice what's going on in your mind. So let's do that now. You may want to close your eyes and just take a deep breath. Well, for central London, that was pretty good. There were no screaming sirens going past. Uh, uh, of course, you can never really get true silence. Uh, there's always something going on. But did you notice that in your head, there's quite a bit going on, isn't there? There are a lot of thoughts. Some of you think about what's coming up in the week. Some of you think about when will this guy finish talking. Some of you are assessing what I'm saying. It's hard to stop it. And one of the things that happens in science, you're not trying to empty your mind of thoughts. You can never do that. In fact, the more you try to do that, the worse it will actually, will actually get paradoxically. You're not trying to stop thinking. You're not trying to stop having feelings. In Christian stillness and solitude, what you're trying to do is just step away from it. You're simply trying to notice that you have thoughts. So you can have a thought, but you don't need to think about that thought. You can have a feeling, but that feeling is going to pass. You don't have to indulge it. You know, maybe you're having a little feeling where you're a bit depressed. We may have been depressed actually five minutes ago, but you might not feel quite so depressed now. So don't call yourself depressed. Try and step back and just notice it. It's okay to have feelings and it's okay to have thoughts. You just don't have to comment on them. So what I'd like to do is show you a little um, uh, video that I did for Renovare, which is an organization I have done some work with. And um, what, we, um, what we did was uh, we were trying to introduce a new generation to spiritual practices. We're trying to get them to follow Jesus without necessarily telling people that's what they're doing. Sneaky, huh? And uh, this was the exercise one week we did called Embracing Silence. And uh, as you will see, it will advocate a little spiritual practice to try out. Life is full of stuff. Stuff fills your diary. Stuff clutters your house. There is stuff to do. Stuff to think about. Stuff which demands our attention. Let's face it, we are stuffed. And the thing is, there is one particular type of stuff which gets lost in all the rest. And that is the stuff which really matters. Once again, we're looking at how to live a balanced and good life. To do that, we've been studying Jesus to see how he handled life and how he dealt with these kind of issues. Because he faced constant pressure from the crowds, from the demands of his friends and the hostility of his enemies. One of the things that Jesus did all the time was to go somewhere peaceful. He made it a habit to be alone, to be quiet and to pray. So here's the thing, let's embrace some silence. Try this, every day for a week we're going to go to a quiet place. Find a time and a place where you won't be disturbed. In your bedroom, in the garden, in the shed, hiding in a cupboard, it doesn't matter. I like to go outdoors and be in nature. 
anywhere you can be comfortable and quiet. Once you're there, switch your phone off and try spending 10 minutes sitting still and silent and simply be with God. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to ask for anything. Now you might want to set a timer so you know when 10 minutes is up. After a few seconds, I guarantee that your mind will start to drift. So you can bring yourself back to just being with God by saying Father, or the name of Jesus, or perhaps the word Peace. You will have many thoughts and feelings during this time. That's okay, but try not to indulge them or comment on them. Rather simply notice them and then let them go. Like leaves floating down a river, you can pick them up, look at them and then put them back. They don't need to define you or your mood because you are not your thoughts and feelings. Rather, you're the one having the thoughts and feelings. Does that make sense? Good. Now you are free to simply be in the presence of God. See if you can do this for 10 minutes each day. You might do less. You might do more. That's okay. When you've done this, ask yourself, what did I learn about God and what did I learn about myself? For me, these moments of silence and solitude are a wonderful opportunity to declutter my life. They are a kind of spiritual detox. I know it's a challenge. It's difficult to find the time. In our noisy world, it's difficult to find somewhere quiet. But when I engage with that silent, contemplative tradition of church life, I feel the peace and love of God inhabit my life. It's changed how I think about God and how I think about prayer. It doesn't feel like prayer. It feels like two friends simply enjoying each other's company. And maybe that's what prayer really is. Have fun with this and be kind to yourself. I'll see you next time. I, um, I didn't say this morning, but I should say it's fascinating. If you go into a bookstore now, in the self-help section, mindfulness books are sort of filling the, uh, the, the bookshelf more and more and more. And it makes me smile because this actually once belonged to the realm of orthodoxy in Christianity. That, that stuff about leaves down a river, that, that was all Christian orthodoxy for centuries. We lost it, and we completely lost it around the Reformation, I guess. But don't think that this is some weird New Age practice. Actually, the Desert Fathers, uh, you know, promoted this kind of spirituality, this sitting still, this praying without words. I don't know if that seems strange to you. You might think, well, a relationship needs words. But I was saying this morning, you know, Rachel and I, before we came out here, we we thought we'd better practice what I'm preaching. uh, And we try to do this uh, regularly. And we do do this regularly. But we sat in our our garden, 10 minutes, and we weren't talking. We were just being together, because you do that in relationships, right, for a while. You don't have to talk. You, you, in the end, you feel so comfortable together, you don't have to fill the space. When you're meeting someone for the first time, a silence is awkward. When you're with someone you really love and connect with, silence can be golden. And, uh, and that was actually quite an intimate time, and, and I genuinely think that's how it works. We call these things spiritual disciplines, but of course they're not really spiritual at all. <laughs> That you can't, you can't cut life into this bit spiritual and this bit isn't. And this is a practice for life that will help your life. And that's why I want to commend it so much to you. That, you know, and I'm tempted to say, if this doesn't help you, all right, don't do it. I'm just telling you to do it because I know it will help you. You may have to tweak it a bit. 
to find the ways you go. I know how difficult it is, and I think it's harder for, for Londoners sometimes, um, because, you know, I particularly love being in nature. But it's hard to find the space. You get up early, you commute, you go to work, you get in late, you cook a meal, you maybe detox with a bit of TV and everything. It's hard to find space. So I want to commend 10 minutes. It's a small start. Take a commitment, 10 minutes every day this week, to be still and connect actually with yourself at the most innermost level. What are your feelings? What have you felt today? What have your feelings been? Just make a little checklist of them. What are the, what are the repetitive thought patterns? How's that working for you? Nothing will guide your prayer life like this will. And I want to say something uh, to finish with, just a little bit about community and the role of silence and solitude in community. Um, Henri uh, Nuon, uh, who is someone I very much uh, love and respect, says that there are three um, practices that we're all called to uh, in community. One is, one is the solitude or communion with God in prayer. Uh, the next is recognizing and gathering together in community. And the third is ministry or compassion in the world. And however you dress you know, the Christian life up, those are the kind of three priorities. But he talks about how we become grounded in solitude. Solitude is where you come to know yourself. And this is the scary bit, as vulnerable and broken. That's the bit we run away from. But as Steve said, right at the start of the service, and yet this is precisely how God accepts you. As you actually are, not as you want to be. Not as you are hoping to be. But as you are, God accepts you. And in solitude, we wrestle with that, and we accept it, and we learn it, and we love it. And then we come together in community. In community, someone once said, community is the place where the person you most don't want to live with lives. Okay, communities, you know, in Christ- you think Christian communities are going to be like hippie, lovey communes. We're my peace and love, man, and we just love Jesus and we love one another. But we all know that the reality is you've got people who rub you up the wrong way and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Of course there is. It's meant to be like that. And you are formed and shaped in that rubbing up together. But you must spend time in solitude because God bestows your identity as a beloved child of God. When you do not receive it from God, you will always be looking to it from other people. Other people can't give it to you. Other people will let you down and not behave as you want them to. Other people you will get disappointed with. Only God can give you this identity. And if you don't spend time with God receiving that, you will be looking for it in all kinds of other places that will often lead to quite uh, destructive habits. I love uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber in her book, Cranky Beautiful Faith. She runs a church. She's this amazing American Lutheran pastor. And she runs a church called The House for Sinners and Saints. And uh, on all their welcome literature, it says, hello, welcome to The House for Sinners and Saints. We will disappoint you. I just think there's brilliant honesty in that. And she goes on to say, And when we do, and we won't do it deliberately, and we're not trying to, but it will inevitably happen, we hope you will stick around. Because as we resolve that together, there we may discover the grace and love of God. I want to promote stillness and solitude to you. I know it's scary, 
I know you're not sure if this is a good idea. And if you're an extrovert like me, you think, well, this sounds terrible. Please try it on. Ten minutes a day. Give it a go. And just notice what God may be doing with you during that time.